When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, 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 well. Talking real money returns. Hi, everybody. I'm Don McDonald from the Talking Real Money podcast. And over there, there is Tom Cock. Hello. Also from the Talking Real Money podcast. Shockers that make me. Uh, so how much did you spend on the Raiders ticket? <laughs> I'm not allowed to say at this time. <laughs> Tom is going to the very first Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders game. And, uh, and he won't tell me. He refuses to disclose the price of the tickets because he can't stand the heat that I will give him. Yeah, and it would be well-deserved. And it would be a ribbing that I have coming, but I'm not going to for, you're right, that exact reason. All I know is that the next weekend, uh, the Broncos are playing in Jacksonville, and I think the cheapest tickets there are $62. Were well, you close I'll, to that? Were you I close to say, that? I will say it was more than that. Okay, I'm how's that? It was substantially <laughs> more than that. The, the 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 decent fifty yard line seats are two hundred and sixty dollars. It was more than that. Was it more than that? It was All more right. than we're, that. We're we're narrowing in on the real money. I want to see how well you can bracket that up. Good luck. Uh, was it uh, was it uh, uh, less than a flight in the Virgin Galactic spacecraft? That was twenty eight million, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Less than that. Less than that. So All we're right. between two hundred eighty and twenty eight million. Okay. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a million. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hi everybody. This is where we talk about money and uh, the things you do with it, including foolish things like spending way too much on football tickets for a game that you can see better on television. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's the first ever home game in Las Vegas. What can you say? And, and is this going to go in your biography later? Tom, God. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have the to. First ever. I'm gonna have to at this price. It deserves. It's pretty high mention there in terms of what I've spent in my life. So yes, I will go with that. Well, apparently the pandemic has been very good to him because he's gotten rich enough to afford tickets to a uh, an overpriced game in a black hole in Vegas. I think they're calling it the Death Star. And that's a good point, Don, by the way, because I think you and I touched that on this. was my segue. It was perfect segue. I, I think you and I touched on this off the air in our last radio show because we're talking about heading as the pandemic began, the thought we had was this is going to be horrible for the economy, horrible for most people. This is going to be long stand. I mean, people's incomes are going to go down. By 2008, uh, people lost $8 trillion, $8 trillion in household wealth. So think, you know, housing prices went down, oh, stock market oh, went down. Are you checking your everything. checkbook? Checking my checkbook. All right, let's see. I lost zero. Eight, I eight, eight one. trillion yeah, I dollars. It. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, I mean, it was substantial. So heading into all this, we thought this is going to be a mess. And then it turned out it was the opposite. People's net wealth went up by $13 trillion in 2020. Now I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, ah, yeah, that's all the rich guys, the Bezos and Gates and 
Who's the guy who runs Apple now? I mean, you know the uh, names anyway. Yeah, he's not as rich as the okay. Bezos or the Gates. Yeah. I mean, so, but the big money, yeah, they made money because, well, they held stock that went up a lot. In fact, people that held stocks made a lot. And the other part where the people made money was housing, right? Real estate. Real estate is, I'm looking at my cheat sheet. That's why you're wondering what's going on. Home See, prices have soared. When, when we do just soared. a podcast, you can't tell when oh, we're looking me. at our cheat Thank sheets, you. but this is video. <laughs> The the median home price now three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's, That's up median hundred thousand from a year ago. Wow. Uh, stock prices the S and P five hundred up forty four percent since the beginning of COVID. So all those things. But here's a couple of lessons I think the takeaways. And, and by the way, yes, billionaires made a lot, but you should have made something. But here's the thing: number one, people still have way too much in cash topic that I will raise soon on a podcast, 22 trillion with a T, trillion with a T. Those people, unless they paid off credit card debt or some other high interest rate loan, did not increase their net worth, right? The people that did were exposed to stocks because those went up a lot. And yes, people did refinance. They might have saved some money there. It's seen their net increase a little bit. But the other place was housing, as I mentioned right? Home prices way up, but you had to be exposed to both to make the money. In other words, it wasn't the people that speculated. It wasn't the people that kept money in cash waiting for something. It was people that had proper, if you will, asset allocation on the stock side and owned real estate on the other side, right? That appreciated greatly. So it wasn't a timing thing. It wasn't a here's what's going to happen as a result of the COVID. It was being properly allocated all the time. Yes, you made more if you held a substantial amount of Alphabet or Amazon or any of those places. Sure, if you're a big shareholder there, but I own a little tiny bit of each one of them and I had a great year too. So you got to have the exposure all the time. I think that's the big takeaway, Don, from why people's wealth increased by $13 trillion with a T. Yeah, and there are the smaller little messages hiding within that. Things like when you talk about that proper asset allocation, for example, there was a lot of hand wringing that went on a couple of several years ago, from several years ago until very recently, about value stocks and about small company stocks and about international stocks and how poorly they had done. And those stocks, particularly small cap and value, had an incredible run. In early 2021, incredible run. Well, they're up about U.S. small cap values up about 60 percent since last October. So it's yeah, way, way, way up. I mean, all those asset classes have done well. And as you pointed out, had you been a timer, and many people are, and I don't care if it's tea leaves or fundamental analysis, you might have either been out of the market completely or mm-hmm. overweighted to those big, huge companies that had had previously great runs. No, proper asset allocation is all the time. It doesn't change based on whatever's going on in the world, whatever your advisor's telling you or whatever your stockbroker thinks you should buy. That's the worst type of decision we know of. And then there's this other asset class with little weird spacey question marks that uh, had we been talking about this two months ago, you would have said, well, that was this asset class was even hotter than small cap value. It really did well. It's called crypto. 
Oh, yeah. So rolling your money into Bitcoin. We'll talk about this on another podcast again, because there's so much crypto news this week. It's astounding. Uh, yeah, it went way up and then it went way down, right? I mean, it's kind of up and down and I don't so pay attention to So that isn't an day-to-day. asset class that, that should have been in this mix. That's, no, it's, and it's a very small, um, again, when you look at crypto, it's a tiny, 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 tiny bit when you compare it to stocks and bonds and certainly $22 trillion in cash. And no, we don't advocate owning that. It's purely speculative. It truly is the greater fool, right? I mean, it is whoever is next in line is going to buy that from you at a it's kind of like buying Raiders tickets for the opening night. Whatever greater you're fool is You're never going to make that back. <laughs> you're whatever greater. F- I better have a really great time. You are night, the greatest fool, apparently. What was the face value on those? So, I'm not yeah. even going to say that. Uh, so, okay. um, But the, the thing is, that truly is an asset where you can say, or, or a holding, that there is no underlying value other than what the next person says it's worth. Truly. I mean, it's yeah. like gold. To so me. when we talk about asset classes, we're not even talking about precious metals. We're talking about stocks and bonds and having all of the various types of stocks and bonds that you can get your hands on. And then slightly based on just academic research, overweighting small companies, value stocks, more profitable companies, that kind of thing. That's all. And before we leave this, I just want to make sure again that the point is made for everybody, because we see this all the time, that moving in and out of markets, whether it's stocks to bonds or particular types of stocks to different stocks or buying a particular company and selling another one, that truly is a fool's errand, we can tell you. And this last year, I think there's no greater period of time that's indicative of having the right asset allocation balance between stocks and bonds and the right types of stocks that this, the pandemic will prove again that you got to be diversified. And, and yes, cost is important, but you don't react to whatever's going on because it was very gloomy. You know that. We heard from all kinds of people saying it's, we've never had this circumstance before. It's yeah. the end of whatever. Turned out not that's not true. Right exposure did a lot for you in the last year. 855-935-TALK. That is our 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week phone number for asking questions. But it seems that the vast, vast, vast majority of you really prefer typing. And, and you know, I think that's a new way of doing, of communicating these days. I don't know how. It's almost like we went from the telephone back to the telegraph. Because, to me, Spoken words are much more effective than typed, and you know, smoke, spoken words were a whole lot more effective than. But hey, you decide, and you decided to send them in via, via talkingrealmoney.com, like this one. The subject, Tom, is worst case scenarios. First off, I am a big fan of your show and Paul Merriman's podcast. Your recent podcast with Paul titled Wait, How Long? got me thinking about a complex question. This is a bit of a complex theoretical question, I suppose. Going back over the long haul of data we have on different asset classes and their respective performances, has anyone ever done an in-depth study on if you simply dollar cost averaged into the markets over 40 years and you happen to make purchases at the high point every year, Basically, that would reveal a worst-case scenario stress test on how bad returns could look if you were literally the unluckiest person ever in every 40-year time frame. I think that would be a really interesting data delve. 
I know we can't ever know the future, but I know how the unluckiest run could, if I know how the unluckiest run could pan out, it might make me understand the general minimum I should be saving for retirement. I'm 34, by the way. I hope you address this question in some form on your podcast someday. I listen to every episode and try to tell all my friends to stop gambling and start listening to our wise elders who know how this game really works. Thanks. I don't know of that study. It, now that actually, study, it's been done. Oh, has been. okay. There you it go. What's the has, result? I don't have it in front of me. Okay, but there was a study done that showed if you were the unluckiest person alive, and you bought every year at the peak, you still made very good money. Yeah, because after um, forty and, and years, I, even I, buying at the peak forty years ago today looks pretty doggone great, right? Yeah, and I just read the question fresh, so I'm going to look for that. But I do remember a study done on that. In fact, they it, they gave the guy some name, some cute, unlucky guy name, you know, like hapless herb or something like that. Uh, no offense to all of the herbs out there. Uh, but yes, I do distinctly. In fact, I wrote about it many years ago, and I distinctly remember a study that was done over like every 40-year period or 20-year period or some period that shows that even if you were the world's worst investor, you still made out pretty darn well. I think the bigger risk is when you're taking money out of your portfolio. So let's assume it's 2007. At the end of the year, you decide to retire, right? A lot of people did in 2008. Now you're starting to pull from that portfolio and it is going down. It's going down very quickly in that first year, year and a half. That's However, 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 if you have a structured withdrawal strategy, for example, 4% per year plus inflation or 5% of the, the asset value every year, whatever that strategy is, and you stay with it in a, in a 60-40 or a 50-50 portfolio over five years, even drawing down that money, you're going to be more than fine, and you're going to start building back up at the end of even the worst case scenario. I'm so speaking more we've of run, the psychology. We've run yeah, yeah, the psychology is awful, right? But the actual numbers have been great. We've run numbers showing withdrawals, uh, including some of the worst market declines ever. And if you have a structure and a discipline to your withdrawals and you don't take out more than the portfolio has tended to generate, you build wealth. You don't even draw it down, even in bad scenarios. But just think think that through. I mean, it, again, if I retired the first of the year 2008 in a 60-40, by the end mm -hmm. of 2008, my mil if I started with a million, it's down to 750000 mm -hmm. And I took 50 out or 40 out, whatever the 10% is, I'm at seven hundred. I mean, and I'm thinking this is the end of the world. This is where people get in trouble. They have a tendency to say, oh, I, I surrender. I'll put it in the bank because I've lost too much money. You're right. If you step back and look at the long haul, you're okay. But people have a tendency to get in the middle of those situations and think, I got to do something. The doing something is really the costliest part of all and this. And this is where we believe it's so important for so many people to have an advisor. It is so easy for you to do it yourself when the market has been rising. Hey, it's easy. I didn't realize how easy investing was. I just put money in. It goes up. It's when it goes down that you need somebody who will take the heat from you because you will give it to your advisor uh, when you say, you stupid people, you told me to get in the market and now it's down. Somebody who will talk you off the ledge 
and keep you from doing something stupid like uncounted listeners and callers have done over the years. I mean, we we had a call recently over the weekend from a guy who said, I market timed right once, and then I thought I could do it again and again, and every subsequent time, I was wrong. Now, I put it this way, stand between you and your money. And your emotions. Right, yeah, keeping you from yeah. doing bad things to it. Yeah, we have big sticks that if you try to get close to your money, we like that whack, kind of stand. We whack you with them. <laughs> Fair enough. No, but if you would like some help getting started, you want to figure out how to build the right portfolio so that you don't get scared. You want to kind of look at the stuff you have, and we also did this on a recent podcast. You're not investing right. We we'd like to think you are because you tell us you are. And then we look at your portfolios and we go, really? What show were you listening to? Wasn't talking real money. Um, You should do this. You should at least have one of our advisors look at your portfolio for free, for free, no obligation, no sales pitch. If you'd like to be a client, we'd love to have you. If you don't, we're we're just glad to help. I'm going to give a shout out there to Gary, who wrote us last week about one of our advisors, Andrew, who did exactly that, went through the whole review, a few little tweaks on the portfolio. He wrote us a very nice note and said, Andrew, help me. There's no sales pressure. I'm doing fine. I'll call you if I need you sometime in the future. That's the kind of work we do all the time. That's what we do. So go to Vestory.com. That's the name of our advisory firm, Vestory, as in investment advisory, all contracted. And set up an appointment. You go to the form, you set up an appointment. Somebody calls you, they they confirm the appointment, you do the stuff, you go on your way, you'll be happier. Anything else you'd like to add? No, I think I've added enough for one day, probably. And, uh, you know, a thank you for exposing maybe. my overspending habits when it comes to sporting events. I really appreciate that. That Absolutely. and uh, that and backyard pools. It's always, always my <laughs> yeah, pleasure. We'll just leave that one right where it is for a hey, future you know, podcast. You know what? I'm so glad you had that backyard pool, though, with the <laughs> incredible heat that everybody. Yeah. I'm, I was listening to the radio. I went to went to take the car in because the battery was dead, and uh, I'm listening to the radio. And still, all people could talk about is the heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, June used to be known as January here in Seattle. I mean, you were lucky to get summer weather of any kind by July 4th. And now we've already had, and here's the new record, 108 degrees, the all-time highest temperature ever recorded in Seattle. This keeps up. You'll soon have April Zona. (laughs) April Zona. We'll just change things, shift them. So the monsoons will start here. You won't need to move to Arizona for warmer winters. Exactly. Too much for me. Thank you all for listening and watching, watching on our YouTube channel. Oh, Tom, how we're over 400 subscribers. I, know. I looked it up yesterday. So you got to quit saying bad things. We're headed to 500. Boom. Wow. Amazing. So check out our podcasts at all the major podcast services. Tell your friends, leave a review at Apple Podcasts. Many of you have done that. We appreciate it. We even had one recently where somebody said, I listened to your podcast on Spotify, but I signed up. I got an ID with Apple Music or Apple Podcasts so I could review your show. Thank you for doing that. It's very nice. Okay. We're done. We'll do another one tomorrow, though. Thanks for watching slash listening. I'm Don McDonald. That's Tom Cock. 
knocking his camera around and talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.